0: Friends, welcome back to another absolutely mind-blowing episode of the Film Alchemist really Podcast. running out on the thesaurus here. Shh. We're going to erase Shh. that ass. That <laughs> Shall we <laughs> take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by just that conniving, rude uh, person I need scrub from a brain. Patrick, and co host,
1: baby boy. No, it's Alex. T.
0: Yeah, <laughs> all right, guys. Before today's very exciting episode, a little bit of business. It is official. Your friends here at the Film Alchemist are on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com/slash film alchemist pod for as little as a dollar a month. Friends, you can help the show and join our community, see all the awesome people we already have with us. And see what we're working on building. Uh, As you climb the official Highlander tier ranking system. You can actually pick the specific films you would like us to cover in a Patreon exclusive library. So guys every dollar is hard earned. We understand that. We are working our aces off to try to make sure that we are delivering uh, content worthy of your support. So for those of you who do support us. Thank you uh, for those of you who are about to thank you as well. We love you, Uh, guys. Literally, even a dollar a month is greatly appreciated. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube Film Alchemist is the channel. You can email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials you're on, so uh, get a hold of us. We like hearing from you. We're easy to reach. Also, make sure you're leaving us a rating and review wherever you find the show, including now Spotify, man. Uh, a quick five star over on Spotify. Let's start racking up over there. All oh, right. Enough of that business, man. We're not here for business. We're sad. I've already We're pressed. Forgotten it. Yeah, we got little hairs to flip out of our faces. We're not loving life, guys. Uh, it's the month of Amour, as you guys know, every February. The month of Amour, right? We just talk about love. Uh, this month's theme. The pod has loved and lost. A theme that we've come up with specifically because we both desperately wanted to talk about tonight's film. Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. I will be honest. We are well over 300 episodes into the show. Maybe closer to 400 than 300. I cannot believe we have not made it to Eternal Sunshine yet. Uh, This was one of the great films of my college experience. I was a film student. This movie came out and felt like it reminded all of us at the most formative and creative time of our lives how truly creative a film can be. And it was a watershed moment Not quite on the level of the Matrix, but it was that kind of a theatrical experience for me. I left that theater madly in love with cinema again in a way that is easy to forget and be jaded when you're a student. That movie just reignited all the passion I had for how wonderful a film can be. And weirdly, I think it's become more prescient with age. I don't think I had watched this again since college. And it feels even more powerful today in a weird way. Uh Alex opening thoughts on Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind.
1: Man, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is one of my all-time favorite movies. It is one of the many one of the five movies that I wanted to do this podcast for. The reason being mm-hmm. we're here is because one of the, this movie. I saw this my senior year of high school and i remember walking out of the theater a changed like changed person like it was a life Mm -hmm. like for me personally a life-altering film like something about the way it felt and the way it presented and everything about it just electrified me in a way that i had not been before and like emotionally yeah like i cry every time i watch this movie like there's just nothing about it a lot like a lot like it's an absurd (laughs) amount of like i think that this movie particularly has what the namesake for this show is like the alchemy of this movie is what makes this show worth doing because like the um, like just the the things that came together in this film, the pieces of this movie that fit together are so perfectly timed. It's. And then just, I mean, yeah, like for me, this movie is utterly timeless. Like I can watch this movie over and over again. I remember, you know, when you're in high school and college, you have no money. I saved up. Like I waited to buy this DVD (laughs) and I have, I still have the copy. Like it was like a focus features copy of the DVD, like a beautifully embossed cover. It was like a two disc set because I wanted to know all the back behind the scenes stuff. Because, like, not only is this movie just incredible, like, the pedigree behind it, like, Michelle Gondry is the director who, I, like, at the time was, I was just obsessed with. Yeah. And then on he top was, of that,
0: everyone's like, that guy's fucking cool, guy. Right.
1: <laughs> and then on top of that, this is a Charlie Kaufman script, which, like, it's mm-hmm. just, I mean, it, it, it's easily, I mean, it's why I want to, it's why it won an Oscar, but, like, it's easily my, second favorite Charlie Kaufman script. It like gets just,
0: it's his most engageable movie. It's
1: his most relatable by far. Like there is yeah. something that is so, I think this is like the really important thing about this movie is there's something so real about it, even though it is so fantastical and bizarre and science fiction. The reason this movie works is because this time spent on science fiction is so not, the most interesting part of the movie. Like, the most interesting part of this movie is the people that inhabit this story. It is Mm -hmm. utterly gut-wrenching, utterly beautiful. Yeah. Let's crack into this thing, man.
0: Well, I think what is so fantastic about this film, the science fiction is there to allow this just... explosive run through the stylistic story right Mm -hmm. and it's a this is a basic story this is a story we've all seen a hundred times if not a thousand times right this is a story we've all talked with our friends about a thousand times man this is heartbreak plain and simple right this is uh the love of my life isn't the love of my life right that's all it is this is a a very simplistic breakup story the science fiction exists to add some some flavor and texture to that, right? So instead of just a scene of two people being sad, um, you know, in an apartment because one wants to go out and drink and the other one doesn't, right? Imagine if things are changing in the background. Imagine if all of a sudden we're in a new set, in a new time, and the weather's changed and right. physical feature. I mean, the, the science fiction I mean, is used for that element. And one of the things you're struck by in this film is how unextraordinary everyone seems to find the science fiction. It's just a shitty office in the middle of the city with a shitty van.
1: <laughs> it's one of those great like moments yeah. of yeah, it is like it's like I hate to put it this way, but it is like it's like a pill mill. Like it's one of those things like I was, we were just watching dope sick. So like it's all in my head right now. It's like it's like one of those things is like in a business park. Of course, there's just a guy who's like handing out memory erasure uh gigs, you know? Yeah. And again the casting's perfect for this i i cannot stress enough like the thing that makes this movie so beautiful to me is how real and how relevant everything about it feels like there is nothing about this that isn't fantastic but at the end of the day just stripping away everything it is this story about like it's a story about what we all try to do when we break up with someone which is how do i bury this like how do I bury this pain and and like just get rid of it? How do I get rid of this? Like, mm-hmm. it's just this coal, this lump of coal that you walk around with. And, you know, I saw this movie over and over again when it came out. I buying the DVD and not only that, like I watched this movie and then I went to college and had my first like true, like first, like true love of my life. Like we broke up because, you know, it's college. It's what you do and this movie literally just like Alex got a in sling it's just like manifested it manifested itself in like a whole part of my brain it just parked itself and lived yeah. rent free in my head for yeah ever because it's just the emotions are so real yeah and not only that this movie does not reveal the gag or the like the intrigue of the gag until 15 minutes into the fucking movie. Like it throws you in the deep end, literally.
0: Oh, even more than that. Cause I remember pausing it at 18 minutes and I'm like, Oh, that's when the credits are hitting 17
1: minute mark is the opening credits.
0: (laughs) But I think it, it is, it is that right. And it, it gets to this, you know, the, the rewriting of an entire life and relationship and past. And I think when I saw it the first time I was just young, like love was not an important thing on my list, right? Being loved was high on my list, but actually truly giving of myself to the point where I could feel hurt and vulnerable was not something I was doing at that phase of my sure. life. Right? So I was watching this as a just, holy shit, look at the flex Of craft and directing of this film right that's how i was watching it watching it now god almost fucking 20 years later as a much older man uh with a wife and kids and all that i i felt the i felt the the desperation of this film so much more enormous right it's it's this thing we all have where there is something missing inside of every human right And, you know, when I was a kid, everyone always said it was, you know, God made us that way, so we'd have to kneel to him every Sunday, right? Whatever. I think in every one of us, there is something absolutely missing at the core of us. And I think even the most cocksure of us, right, the rock or whoever, Mm -hmm. somewhere deep inside themselves do not love themselves. Right. And I think that's why we're obsessed with these big, large, romantic stories, right? Mm -hmm is because that is proof positive when I'm in this world that I have value and merit. And one of the first thing that strikes you in the film, or like the first big thought that hit me, was I forgot that Joel got the letter saying that he had been erased. I thought he just went in sad, right? And I was like, imagine that the person you thought proved to yourself and the world that you were a worthwhile creature to exist and be with and be loved and this and that not only broke up with you, but said that nothing about you was worth having. Still Mm -hmm. the way that trauma goes back and poisons all of the good memories that we see later. Right. I thought it was just a stunning and powerful moment in the film that kind of washed over me as a kid.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is, I think when I saw it the first time, the feeling of, the feeling of finality like that's absolutely how you can get rid of this like that's how i can stop feeling the way i feel when i'm alone and yeah. i'm in my own thoughts is whoa what if it is this magic thing where i can just have these moments erased from my memory and like it's interesting because yeah at the end of a relationship you think about how shitty everything was like truly terrible and I think that's what's fascinating. And I think that's the disarming thing about the movie is you don't think about that stuff. Just like Joel doesn't think about that stuff at the beginning when he's deciding to do this is he's not thinking about, Oh, but there was the beginning that was really beautiful and really personable. And like when we start the movie, because we start it in such a jarring place, like we're not sure quite what's happening. We know something is odd because, you know, again, like, we're all in a movie watching a movie called Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But <laughs> like, you know, you're like this movie really wants to say
0: something and most of it's on the poster. Good Lord. <laughs> right.
1: But like there's this thing where like you forget for a good half of the movie. You're like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. How nice would it be to forget about that person? But not only that, like this is the other thing that I and I I dawned on me today, actually, when I was watching it, like really really the terror of it is not forgetting this person. Yeah. It's horrible to begin. Like it's terrible that you would need like to get over someone. You have to forget. like not only that, but these pieces of your life that are emotionally assigned to that person. Like the Huckleberry Hound thing is always the bit that gets me. Cause it comes up at the end where, but like Clementine is like, like she has like two, two or three instances where she's like, don't make fun of my name. Okay. Because Mm -hmm. you know, and at the very beginning it's like oh my darling you know that song and he goes no I really I I don't remember it and then at the end you realize he tells so he's like oh my favorite thing when I was a kid was my huckleberry hound it's like there's so much of emotion attached to certain things that when you need to like like, to forget this person you have to erase something that is a beautiful memory from your life yeah. yeah like something that is so important in your life this person's infected you to the point where and yeah that's the word idea that's the word I'm using at the moment, but like this person has <laughs> changed you in a way that even memories that have nothing to do with them yeah are even the, like those even those memories resonate yeah. in some
0: way well, the movie posits that question, right? Can you ever fully untangle someone from your mind and right. your soul and your life? I think one of the things I had forgotten about the movie. I totally forgot the 18 minute opening, not meat cute. That's the wrong word for it. More like creep cute. Like it's just a really aggressive, <laughs> not my favorite, like kind of way to introduce them. Mm-hmm. Right. I did like the lie where she's like, you know, I like to name hair colors, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I know what I would be naming a hair color right now red flags. Right. Like that's what I'd be naming this. I would run away like Joel did. And there's just this really weird, right, you know, he's met this girl. Something's going on. Pages are missed out of his journal. I did not realize that that's how the movie opened, right? And I've seen this movie multiple times. I probably watched this 10, to 20 times in college. Mm -hmm. Totally forgot. I thought this just started with a, I'm going to erase her. That's it. I'm out. I forgot we had this weird relationship to start it. Mm -hmm. And not only to start it, but then realizing by the end that is actually where we are now i think that's a really weird
1: decision what do you make of that choice oh i mean i don't think it's weird it makes it makes sense in the point of the narrative like what what's weird about it to you
0: because to me right where the story really truly starts with i've been erased i'm going to erase her right that is the kind of thesis of the film right
1: well that's the impetus for the rising action
0: but that's the thing—the way the movie's played, we don't understand that this is now, right? This is post being erased, right? Because he's still talking about this Naomi lady
1: mm-hmm.
0: and his ex girlfriend, right? All that stuff. Sure. I think it's a weird choice to start us in the aftermath of the story we're already going to see, especially when the movie's journey is this kind of chronologically backwards.
1: I mean, trek through you their and I relationship. I talked about this before many times which is that yeah like starting a movie at the end is fucking stupid like there's like well this is probably the best version of it i've ever seen very rarely is there validity (laughs) very rarely is there any validity to making that choice in movies this is the only exception to that rule in my opinion and it's because of how important that opening is to disarming us for Mm -hmm. one but then also when we see it at the end and the wraparound itself you realize like this this is what this is why this movie to me is just incredible on so many levels but the main thing is the reason we do that is so that you realize like this is not erasing like erasing someone from your brain is different from erasing someone from your soul and i think that is what's more that is what's more important than anything is that what Joel finds out throughout the movie is that this is not a person who's. Look, I'm not saying these people are not problematic people. Like they're both <laughs> just utter garbage, but like, <laughs> but, you know, you find right. beauty and you find beauty everywhere. So like for me, once you get to the wraparound, around, mm-hmm. you know, meet me in Montauk means so much. To him at the end, and you're yes. you're emotionally weighted down by just those words, and then you realize, holy shit, wait, he went to Montauk. It's the wraparound wow. that actually pays off in a way that isn't like, it's not like Memento or something like that, which is actually funny. I was reading today, like Charlie Kaufman was really nervous writing this because Memento was being shopped around at that time. And it's Christopher Nolan. So he's he was, like, super intimidated, which is fucking hilarious, by the way. But it's one of those things where, like, the, the emotional weight of being in Montauk is so much more palpable at the end when they start, like, fast cutting through the opening, essentially. Yeah. And you realize, like, oh, the movie is telling us, like, this is not about like erasing someone from your memory. This is not like memories are just the soul's way of reminding you about beauty. And yeah. it's this really fascinating way to journey through that. And that that to me is it's not like the to say it succinctly, the opening does not bother me like that or I don't think it's weird. It makes total sense.
0: No, I mean it, it absolutely pays on the delivery in a big way because as soon as she says that and you start really It also sets you up with this uncertainty of, wait, we've already seen Elijah Wood as a creep. We know something's going on. Why is he in the – why is he doing the erasing? You're like, oh, my God, is this like a criminal thing? So there is – it does serve the science fiction element, right, of unsettling us, right, Mm -hmm. the crashing realities. But the the meet me in Montauk moment does land really well, right? It's just I did not realize we took 18 minutes at the top to do that and again i don't think their their meeting is very adorable well, but i again it's weird. it's not supposed to be by the end of the film it's it is really there there's something to it just was a really strange thing that struck me I in mean, my mind i'd re like written the film to have that at the end where it i mean lands. Te- well but i totally forgot but that's
1: exactly well you did it right though like you rewrote it in the chronological way, which.
0: But so did Michelle Gondry, right? As we always, yeah, that's what I, I mean. mean as funny. we all
1: know from 300 plus episodes, you love, you, you're you a very timetable guy. You want that? I out- am
0: a, I do not like an anastro- anachronistic. I do not like mixed yeah. chronologies, which is weird because I love Doctor Who. But that's neither here nor there. Nope, I just, like, I didn't you realize You like your movies that, right?
1: very literal. That's that's how you perform your time. How
0: fucking dare you? Orson for the people will not fucking take this slander. You'd,
1: Anywho. You found Citizen Kane so upsetting when they were just like, ooh, let's make it look good. Oh, You're my like, God. Mm, just give me oh the information, please.
0: You're just like, I wish we would have done 20 of Rosebud up top. That would really help me out. <laughs> I don't understand the weight of, like, you know, a journey. No, no, I just I like, like it all
1: up front. I like to know a lot about Xanadu before we get to Rosebud. Yeah. So. <laughs> Can you just
0: fucking splash narrative symbolism C- all C- up on? Citizen Kane
1: also did the 20 fucking minutes up front of, like, hey, how about this guy in his awesome house? Yeah.
0: You're like the white guy who's about to try like one number hotter curry, and you're like, "I better eat two pounds of white rice for a good base before anything spicy happens in my life."
1: I neither. Now we're just no, no, no. trading. bars. you've never even eaten curry. How so don't even start fucking
0: that. dare. The fuck, I haven't. I think I have. No, you. Have I'm not. pretty
1: sure I have. I've been around you a long time. You don't even like stuff on your burgers, so.
0: Okay, first off, how dare you? I don't like the fucking tumbleweeds and fucking asphalt from out back. They charge you $8 or more, like you LA people do. What burgers you know are
1: you funny? eating where you have asphalt on them? When
0: I go with you to your fucking trendy-ass fucking burger joints. Five guys? <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? Now you're just talking about your college memories. I am saying, yeah, we have just a rip. We need to fucking erase everything that was just said. <laughs> I'm just saying... I did not remember that, right? Right. Fine. Neither here nor there. <laughs> but yeah, I I think that is, there. there's something about it. And I love the casting of Jim Carrey in this too, right? Because yes. at the time, he was one of the coolest guys alive to me.
1: Well, Jim Carrey um, at this point was still, see, this is 2004. So he had, obviously he had had his run in the 90s. And then he had tried to do like, well, I mean, he had successfully in the, my majestic, yeah, He'd he had the majestic, yeah. He had done the majestic. He done the Truman show. Like he was yeah. in the... I,
0: I, I just thought he was the best in every. Like I loved the man at this time. Yeah, absolutely. And this is easily the most subdued performance I'd ever seen at the time. Well,
1: I was like, because I, you know, again, like I have this like two disc edition, but I was doing a lot of reading about like how Michelle Gondry directed jim carrey as opposed to us because like i actually i was really excited when i read this a banger of a what if casting originally michelle gondry wanted Nicolas cage to do this oh
0: my god. <laughs>
1: god could you imagine he apparently was in too high demand to do uh dramatic work because of leaving las vegas
0: i fucking love jim carrey in this movie. i do
1: too but Fuck, man.
0: I would sacrifice all <laughs> the virgins to see Nicolas Cage. I
1: would delete though. this movie from I, my memory to see Nicolas Cage. Star does in this
0: increase the value of the movie even 2%? I don't know. I just want it now. <laughs> I but, just think. ah, oh, but no. But, I. But Jim Carrey. What do you make of, though? Why Jim Carrey, man? This does not seem well, like f- a Jim. Because Joel is a guy who's very small and mm-hmm. inward and shrinking, right? So that is the exact opposite of what Jim Carrey became one of the biggest right. celebrities in the world doing. So
1: this is always, I, I this is I've never I've not had a moment where this has been untrue in my movie watching days, which is that comedians doing dramatic work nine times out of ten is so much more intense and beautiful because their normal is human. Dramatic actors are wonderful people. Like, you know, you can't beat Kate Blanchett in a lot of ways. But like, there's something very human about when comedians do it. And it's not just because we're not we're used to seeing them doing other, more like uptick stuff, but it's because their humanity is so much more on our level. Yeah. And Jim Carrey. Is so sub. Actually, Jim. Car- the reason Jim Carrey is per- is so subdued is Michelle Gondry made. Michelle Gondry spent a lot of time like disarming Jim Carrey on set. Apparently, for one, he was very strict. Jim Carrey could not improvise, but everyone else could. Mm-hmm. Jim Carrey was not allowed to improvise on set because Michelle Gondry knew if he had Jim Carrey improvise, he would do what Jim Carrey does better than anyone else on the planet in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. By taking away something that is so intrinsically valued to Jim Carrey's performance, you create somebody completely different on camera. And, like, really what it is is, and apparently Jim Carrey is, like, super objectionable to this, by the way, that everyone else but him could improvise. But when you make Jim Carrey subdued, what you do is you give us this very real person. You're like, I've seen this man explode on camera. And the fact that he's not doing that means whatever's happening in this movie is so much more devastating or so much more beautiful or so much more romantic or so much more loving because he's having these very specific reactions. And yeah. like he almost, well, he becomes
0: a, he becomes an open wound, right? He's, if you take away his best weapon, he is completely exposed.
1: absolutely, And he's almost, yeah. there's, Maybe I can I'm maybe with point you to, that. like, three instances where he raises his voice in this movie. And, like, other than that, he's whispering. He's so quietly telling. Like, I mean, like again, like, the scene where – so David Cross and – I can never remember that woman's name. But David Cross, and uh, she's been in a lot of Joe Swanberg movies, but they play a couple. <laughs> I always no, think of are.
0: her as the one from Orange County that Jack Black hooks up with. <laughs> yes. And when he's telling the firefighter, he's like – but she's like, I'm gonna burn this mother down. I'm like, you better not. You better not. I thought it was an electrical fire. Yeah, we were just like, and then sparks. <laughs> That's how I always remember. She, so the scene she where was then hung. She was the pimp and hung. Yeah, yeah. So I love this, her too.
1: The scene where she's um, basically, he describes like after Clementine's had him erased. Joel's describing like getting her a present, and taking it to Barnes and Noble where she works, and her not knowing who who he is. And I mean, like, it's a jarring thing because you're like, holy shit. Like, this is happening. And like, we already are so far into and we're already at this point where we realize we're in a we're in the dreamscape already because he walks out of he walks out of Barnes and Noble right into the living room. Yeah. The beginning
0: of smashing realities is awesome.
1: That scene where David Cross offers up the Jane Addams, Jane Jane Addams. Thank you. Jane Addams. That scene where David Cross offers up the card, which by the way is hilarious because it's just anybody want a joint? Like, geez, Rob, give it a rest.
0: Also, I felt that in my soul. There's a real thing with people my age. There's like this rebirth into like, now we're all super stoners. Yeah. And we all do it, but you meet the guy and it's like every time you're together, it's like edible later. It's like, I get it. We all like to sleep. Like, fuck off. You're not cool. (laughs) You're just like the old man version of the guy who buys a leaf hat, like a pot leaf hat. The pot leaf hat is the universal like sign of, like, I'm the biggest dipshit who's yeah. ever lived. It's like, we get it. You like the thing that every single person on earth likes. The pot leaf one hat thing is that more makes or less all the life symbol better, of, again.
1: like, I'm giving up on everything. I don't as as
0: agree. I think it's a desperate sign for, see, I'm cool, too. And it's like there's no, nothing worse is, than I'm a giving pothead being trying up on being, an, I'm up really on being hard.
1: an adult because being younger was so much cooler. Yeah.
0: But the part of the best part about pot pa is to shut it all down and stop trying to be cool and just be happy and not anxious for one day. But he yes. Anyways, that's a different that's a different riff. I would like, get uh this company to erase pot leaf hats from my memory.
1: But like that scene where he hands over the card and like all like so he so he looks at this card which apparently this was the inspiration for the movie is um this uh this performance artist this like conceptual artist who Michel Gondry knows originally had an idea where he was going to hand out cards to people saying that somebody has chosen to forget them. Yeah. So like he gets this card from Lacuna, Inc. saying like Clementine Krasinski is you know had Joel Bear Beresh- from erased from his memory and as he's reading the card her name slowly
0: disintegrates
1: yeah Yeah. and you're just like holy shit like and that honestly is like up to that point you can just like kind of say oh that's like stylistic memory this is the first time you're like oh we're in it like this is actually happening like we're full blown in the middle of this now the
0: question is to me right that was one of those weird things that didn't quite add up Mm mm-hmm it's because I was like, why is he forgetting the name? She was a race. You're like, oh, okay, we're already in it. Like now we're – it comes in slow, and then by the end, we are literally shot to shot just yeah. wildly all over. Um, one of the things that leaps out to you now – because, again, I, I think this movie has become much more sharp at the edges in today's world. We do live in a world now where people are selectively curating their realities, right? They block out other opinions and voices they don't want to hear. They surround themselves with the things that reinforces who they wish they were. Uh, Even Black Mirror did an episode of this, right? A little bit less Mm -hmm. successful, I would say. But, like, it tells a a modern telling, right? Like, what if we could all get something implanted in us and we could just choose someone with a certain genetic code however the fuck that technology worked and we just saw them as a static blob and couldn't hear their voice same concept right this one is obviously a little more effective in deep cutting um and i think in today's world of select your own truth and reality and this and that this is a really ominous road full of human carnage to remind us that (laughs) the more you try to cut things out the more you're gonna lose right yeah Um, It sounds obvious, but I think we easily forget. Like you said, right? You think you're cutting out a girlfriend, you lose your childhood memory of your mom singing to you in your bathtub. Right. The sink bathtub, right? Um, I will say this. I once was writing a book. I don't know if I ever sent you the chapter, but I wrote like the opening of a book and I wrote the first chapter and it was called Fade to Black. And it was all about movies that when the credits ended, the whole world essentially was going to end because of what we saw in the movie. And I think I had had like 15 chapters I was going to do, right? And the first one I wrote is like the test chapter was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Where I was like, Wayne Zelensky is the new Oppenheimer of the world, right. right? The moment they find out he can shrink his children and they can ride ants into battle. um, And God forbid, that was even without taking into account part two, where you can make a toddler a city-destroying kaiju. Uh, Wayne awesome. Selinsky doesn't get a part two. Wayne Selinsky lives in a lab. His wife and kids get caught by the CIA and put bags over their head. Mm-hmm. And every day they're like, we're going to cut their heads off in front of you. If you don't shrink these nukes and send them to wherever, fuck, you know, it's like that. And I wrote this whole long article about how not only did he ruin the world, but probably ruined any other space civilizations. We would come across the way that this would affect everything in our world. Right. It was destroyed by Wayne Selinsky, right? <laughs> This technology in this film is the exact same. If I were to finish that book, I would write a chapter on Eternal Sunshine. The ability to selectively edit out and destroy memories and rewrite them in this way is an insane, powerful technology that must be reckoned with. And then the movie shows us that the four people holding the reins are just these Keystone Cop-level dipshits. Right. The lot of them, like somehow they made this world ending technology. Cause that's what would really happen. Right. Especially when she goes all fucking deep throat at the end and unveils all the secrets. Right. The world is coming to an end. Governments are going to fight with nuclear arsenals to have this technology exclusively. Right. And we just watch these people be so fucking dumb and irresponsible with this technology that it was driving me insane. They literally are fucking on top of a man's jammy body as he's unconscious, <laughs> right? Like we just cut to it And he's like, Hey, maybe we can have a couple beers. Oh, Kirsten Dunn showed up. The next scene is them. Wait, is she in her fucking like tank top and fucking undies? And then I'm like, Oh my God, are they fucking in his apartment? Like, I know he's passed out and getting his mind wormed, but he can still smell. He can still fucking smell smells. Right. This is unbelievable. What do you make of the uh, the world's dumbest fucking scientists? It kind of gets back to what I was saying, right? This is an insanely remarkable technology shown in the least remarkable way. Well, it's like
1: <laughs> – I was, I was saying before the show – It's what, Jimmy John's. That's what it should
0: be called, free smells.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, like, what's interesting is – okay, so, yeah, this like game-changing technolo- Just game-changing technology
0: yeah. that
1: is – I mean – literally is the coolest thing you could think of and the people who run the are like the people who run the shop are literally a in like basically an office park and then also are like the worst workers of all time terrible like not only but th- this is always the thing that's fascinating to me about <laughs>
0: elijah this. wood is literally the worst employee i think in most movies you would
1: find oh by far like elijah wood should be brought up on charges just because. Okay.
0: So we were talking about this, 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 because of this movie, they would need a new form of law and crimes, which is essentially erasure rape. Yeah. Cause he goes in and erases this lady steals Joel's shit to try to re right. her. He's a panty thief. I mean, he's like, it's stalking, sort of like, like this is, insane. it's sort of like
1: reverse minority report. Like they need a division yeah. for reverse minority report for this movie.
0: Yeah. I mean this, he is a fucking absolute He's a scumbag. total creep. Like Tom Wilkinson is also an absolute fucking monster. Okay. That is one of the scenes in the movie. And it, this is one of those brilliant acting moments, right? So the woman who plays his, uh, his wife is Deidre O'Connell, right? Sorry. Right. Everyone knows I don't know names. I have the letterbox pulled up. When she's driving away, right, she fucking sees that he's fucking this lady. He's like, you know, I got a wife and kids. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And she's just been throwing herself at this guy the right. whole movie. Like in a really weird, like really that motherfucker? All right, whatever. Throwing herself, and then he, you know, he's like, You know, I got a wife and kids, and he's like, We can't. Mm-hmm. And he goes in for another kiss. We see that horrifying window edge, right? The wife pulls up. And as she's driving away, Kirsten Dunstman, man, this is breaking my heart even talking about it. She runs up and she's like, You know, it's my fault. I'm a stupid girl with the crush. And she just goes, Oh my god, you gotta tell her, you fucking yeah, monster.
1: Fucking monster. Tell her.
0: And then she just is like, you poor girl, uh, you can have him. You already did. Yeah. And it's one of those moments. It, it just fucking rips your guts out. Have- it's so brute. Cause not only did this man fuck her when he had a wife, we find out he pretty much then said, cause on the tape, it doesn't sound like she wanted to forget. Yeah. He pretty much was like, we got to do this or else I'm gone, gone, whatever knows exactly what her setup was before and re-walks her through the same.
1: Yeah. What he's Okay. Well like, you know, it's fascinating too cuz like there's dele- there's deleted scenes. And this is like expertly cut from the movie by the way, cuz otherwise you'd literally be like,
0: <laughs> "Did you get the did you get the slam dance of it all?
1: <laughs> I'll never watch this fucking like I'll like I'll never watch this movie again cuz these people are such garbage, but like they cut this scene where um kirsten dunce is listening to her tape like more of the tape
0: yeah she listens to a very small amount so
1: she they have a they have there's they cut it but there's this moment where she's listening to more of the tape where she talks about how she had to get an abortion
0: like it's you know what i think i saw that too
1: back in the day brutal like there is like and, again, it's just one of those things where you're like, why? And now
0: imagine that a government knows that exists. The government knows it exists. We are and just like, all fucking dead. We're gover- all fucking dead. The
1: government knows it exists, and it's like, wait a second. Those yeah. four are in charge of this? Good Lord. Because yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll they take don't it tell
0: me. us the exact extent, right? But they can somehow track him through the mind, and they know which memories to cut out. Right. If there's a way they can see the memories game over every yeah. country in the world's like we'll just capture whoever and fucking uh
1: okay well, lunar seala them well it's funny too because that's that actually that touches on my least favorite um it's the only episode of black mirror i ever thought was actual garbage which was the crocodile one where they um catch this woman for murdering a baby by watching the hamster's memories and i'm like wait 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 wait, wait. oh
0: i remember that one hey hamster's got memories
1: but it's the one where i was like fuck that but like again like there's <laughs> it's just one of those things where you're like wait a second so whatever that's neither that sounds
0: like it. the best ending of a matlock
1: did you forget about the oh you forgot hamster about the hamster <laughs> There were two more beady eyes in the bedroom, you hookster. Right. The hamster. Uh, well, right? It's like that. It's like, it's like it's like, um, you know, <laughs> I didn't a,
0: think we'd get to Matlock. We're walking through my childhood. It's memories. like someone's a
1: dog psychic. And they're like, where did the, where did he hide the jewels? How do you know about that? I can oh my talk God. to that do dog. Do you know
0: how much money people would pay to read their dog's minds and understand their thoughts of themselves? A lot. And then how many people would kill themselves or their dogs when they found out the truth. But
1: either way, this we've is established, a world ending technology. We've established that the people who run and manage lacuna Inc are utter garbage. And not only that, like should be highly yes. regulated.
0: This is one of the most world ending technologies in movie history that essentially just fell into the hand of a couple of puss hounds.
1: Yeah. Just, right. Like
0: um, that's all this is. They're literally the same as Tony Soprano just making the office like college basketball. A fucking
1: poon hound and his two stony Stony baloney assistants. Yes.
0: A poon hound. Oh, it's 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 like actually made me fucking furious. It's it's it made me mad as fuck. It's the most like inappropriate. They pair it with the journey of when he starts to realize what he's losing. And you're saying, yeah, these fucking people should not have the ability so to like, do this. So I hate like, it.
1: So this is the part that, like, I remember in the theater just, like, losing it with his win in the middle. So, because, again, like, when Okay, start- one more
0: thing before we move on. Sure. Did Ruffalo know? Yes. Absolutely. I think so, too. 100%. I think he was in on the erasure. There's no
1: way Ruffalo does. Like, Ruffalo probably did it. But that's why he tries that's to plead his That's why he tries to plead his case at the end. You're like, dude, come on.
0: It's hard to take him as a character witness, the guy who's just smoking joints, leaving empty beers and his fucking tuna salad on a guy's belly, and then just fucking Sitting plowing there, the shit out of someone right this. Laying next to this, next to
1: this guy, passing a joint, and be like, that's why they were called. To I'm clash. just
0: destroying integral parts of your life. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just magrubering this lady right next to Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, it's hard to believe him as like a, an upstanding pillar of morality. So, Andy fucking honks to let the guy know his wife's there. So he knows. He, knows and he what's also going gets up. the air because he knows what's going on. Yeah, that guy's a piece of shit, too. Well, and like, but that's what I mean. And these men well, the wife destroy even, the world. The wife even to calls black. him out.
1: The wife calls yeah. him out. She's like, thanks a lot, Stan. Like, She knows that he knows. She knows that they know that they know.
0: All right. Enough about these fucking sacks of shit, right? The umbrella corporation so we, of this world. So we
1: get through, like, the opening salvos of this relationship slowly going away. Like, it's dying and, like, these terrible things are happening. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, dude. Like, I would want to get rid of the worst fight I ever had with my wife. Or would I? Like, there's, like, these kinds of conversations you have while you're watching this movie. And you're like, oh, dude. But, like, there's so many things. Me and Amy
0: spent, like, 20 minutes, like, decompressing. Well, first off, we were both crying a lot at the end of the movie. And I was like, this movie does this thing that I think is really, like, kind of cool sci-fi. Because I think all good science fiction is scary, right? Mm -hmm. And this one has that thing, right? So all of a sudden, the biggest mistake of your life, right? Or the – is it the – we talked about this in the last episode, right? We need to talk about Kevin. Everything I'd ever done in my life to Amy – People would go back and rewrite every interaction we had as it was always building to this moment, right? right. And that's like a very extreme example, right? Like, uh, you know, let's say you're you get caught fucking some other lady, right? Your wife walks in on it. Does that mean that the fifteen plus years that you had before mean nothing? And granted, this is a very short relationship, like right. a year. This is like a year. but intense, and that's what the idea that the worst thing that happens to you, right. Can negate a lifetime of other stuff. Right? right. We are evolutionarily trained to remember things that hurt us. It makes us vulnerable as prey. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. But it also steals us as predators. It keeps us right. safe. Like there is, it,
0: this, it makes us sharper it's and this stronger safety right? and
1: knowledge that, you know, you've been through it and you can yes. deal with it again. I think that that's, yes. that is something that I always took from this movie is like, the scary part is knowing is not realizing you've gone through it. Like that to me would be the sure. truly terrifying things. Right. Not remembering that you've been through this utter heartbreak and not like, right. Not being able to really like handle it anymore. But like we get, so we get through these opening salvos of, you know, like this
0: is the last right. Time I well, I made it. the joke about, you know, these, the red flag hair color, right? right?
1: These horrible things that it's, like they did. To it each seems other. like he made
0: the right choice. For like two or three scenes when she's like, I want to have a baby. And then they're screaming at each other at a market. You're like
1: a woman nope, who drunk, drives, a woman who drunk drives your car and crashes it into a, um, crashes fire into hydrant. a fire hydrant. <laughs> not, not a woman of substance that I feel like I would be like,
0: yeah. And again, this is one of the really brilliant things about this part, right? Is the way that this is Clementine by way of Joel's memory. Right, mm-hmm. which is rewritten as the way he wants her to be. Right, for better or worse. I like the way that through the technology of the film, right the the Clementine becomes her own new version of Clementine in Joel's right. mind, who's trying to work with him and help him. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's, it's still Joel talking to himself, but it, right. it 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 shows that he has a natural. Or he—he's developing an empathy with her that he couldn't have. Well, it's interesting because in Joel
1: through. really speaking to his superego, yes. trying to like validate the reason he did this? And like, you know, they have that argument, they have that conversation in the woods, which is like, I don't know, you did it to me, and he's like, Well, you know me, I'm impulsive, and like, there's this beat, but like before all that, like, and this that's is, when he says, "That's what I loved about you," right. Cause which is literally why he erased her, because <laughs> that's when they're devising like how to avoid getting any more race because it's this like it's precipitated by this like really beautiful moment where she they're talking under the covers and she tells the story about how she felt ugly as a child ah. which is just and he's like that it's one of like he's crawling through mm. the covers being like just let me keep this one memory and then yeah you get to like the thing like it's the poster the iconic thing is like um you know you're laying on the ice and he gives his line And then he has that epiphany where it's like, holy shit, like it's not that I need to erase her. It's that I need I need to feel this still. This is the kind of stuff I need to feel. Like, and if it means I have to be miserable knowing that this is over, it is what it is. And like it's the one of three times he shouts in the movie where he's like, I want to call it off. And he's like screaming, and then you cut to like Mark Ruffalo (laughs) dancing, that fucking doofy dance.
0: Just uh, I'm about to fucking sling salami dance. I hate that shit. But, <laughs> but this is what I'm saying though, right? We are trained in our minds. Yeah. Like most people, when they think back on high school, right, mm-hmm. they will remember the couple bad things, right? Totally. I got pants, right? Oh, I, you know, fucking got too drunk and pissed myself at a party, and everyone made fun of me, right? Whatever. Um, I lost a fight. These things that become like these terrible moments, right? And so all of your high school experience is reduced to that, right? Chances are 95% of the days were just mundane and forgettable, right? You had a couple good ones, and the bad ones really outweigh everything else, right? Yeah. College, marriages, all of this shit, right? When they're done and we look back on them as something that is past and completed, the bad days will always outweigh. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And watching Joel come to that memorization, because I thought that was one of the really good tricks of the movie starting backwards right terrible fight that ended it last time i saw her really bad fight that was leading us there you're like yeah this is terrible god we want to get out of it as an audience yeah like why is he so sad he should have done this already when you break through and you realize that not that long ago
1: it was lovely
0: it was wonderful man and and you know like you said we've both been with our wives for a long time right Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really bad, horrible arguments and this and that that I wish I had not acted the way I did and said things I said. And the thought of having the ability to say, you know what? Fuck this. I want you gone. Mm -hmm. And you just erase this giant fucking important chunk of not only your memories, but the very essence of what made you who you are in the world. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Like imagine any other movie where imagine if you took Gladiator and you're just like, let's go ahead and erase that part about the dead wife and kid. Does he just be like, fuck this gladiator shit and just start eating until he dies? You know, like, I mean, you can't just change something so intrinsic about a person, right? And the movie does say that at the end. But I, I think that when he breaks through and realize that moment in the bed is stunning.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. And
0: that's when he realizes all this fucking pain is just this really, like, turd-flavored icing on top of this wonderful cake, you know, that he had. And I think it's so easy for us to get to forget, right? I think we get hurt and wounded, and we lash out. And again, the movie tackles this—the way that a bad ending rewrites everything—is it she was always this fucking way. When you hear them talking about each other on the tapes, that's a devastating moment too. Oh, um,
1: oh yeah, it's because at
0: one point I was like, "Man, you never get to hear real truth about yourself like this." No. And then I, in my mind, I was like, "You know what? That's not truth at all. That's them." throwing venom and trying to caricature the other person so they don't have to have empathy well that's with
1: i think that's the really fascinating thing about how and it's funny we're talking we're talking about we were just talking about this and we need to talk about kevin but it is this like how your memory perceives what reality is and mm-hmm. everything is so much more dramatic and so much more inflated and so much yeah. more there's so much more conflation with what was real versus what you really like what really was actually happening and like you know for instance uh the the repeated thing that comes up with clementine from joel is like the drinking thing like it's just something she does she likes to drink like you know getting drunk and crashing a car is not great there's behavior there that is clearly an issue but like earlier in the like when we start seeing other moments where alcohol becomes a thing like for instance when they have dinner at Kang's and she finishes the beer and he's like, now she's going to be drunk and stupid again. Yeah. That is, that is self projection. It's like, just because you are not interested in like having like any more doesn't mean that that's how she's going to spend her day. Yeah. It's a really, it's a very mm. fascinating thing to watch. And yeah, like those yeah. tapes are, just well, how great. about
0: even at the end when she asked for a drink and he's like, Oh, I thought there'd be more in here than that. Maybe he also drinks a little bit. And that Maybe he does. Maybe
1: right? he forgot that. Maybe that's something yeah. he wanted to erase.
0: It's just, but there, there's these moments of, I mean, just him trying to hide her in, like, other good memories, right? So this is one of those moments I was like, oh, my God, she's a version of her is at least he's letting her into his darkest, right? Jerking off to cartoons and his mom catches him, hammering that bird, and she's there to protect him. Right. It's a part. He wants her there to shield him from his worst memories. So this bond of him realizing all he's about to lose. I mean, you're watching it in just this stunning array of visuals. Right. The the changing of, you know, when they're in the bookstore and she does the you know, I'm just high maintenance. I'm telling you up front. So we know that she fucking told him the deets. Right. But all the spines of the book start disappearing. Right. And then she starts to, and just watching the way that the movie illustrates this, right? How he'll turn and she's gone. Or he'll turn and the faces are blurred in a memory we've already been in. Um, All of that is fun as hell to watch. But what is happening is your heart is sinking through your ass, through the couch, through the floor, and digging down to try to find sweet death at the hot molten core of the earth. Because it's unbearable. And you feel like you are Joel, even though we don't resemble these characters, probably.
1: Well, I mean, again, any, it's unbearable. Heart, any heartbreak after you feel like you've met someone who is going to change your life. And this, this goes for when you're married, too, which doesn't necessarily mean that. It never necessarily means that you're going to like, like my wife and I fight. We don't yeah. break up because of well, it. Sure, like,
0: change isn't always good. No,
1: <laughs> but like it's one of those things where like even when we fight and this is how I mean you know speaking plainly about my own relationship like this is how i know that i'm with someone who matters to me and i'm with someone who i'll never be able to let go unless i like die probably is because like when we fight every time we fight i feel like i'm like this might be the end like we fight so viciously for each other that it feels like i know it's not going to happen but there is this like feeling of like i hate that we're in this situation i hate the yeah. we're fighting and like i wanted to end because like the love we have together is so wonderful that when we fight it hurts so bad but that's like that's what passion and true that's what passion true like tr- in true strange. form is it's a very yeah. strange thing because like again like they say i just like, do
0: everything right so I don't, I don't
1: i'm not addressing that comment but like amy why, will attest but that's why there's such a thin line between love and hate because like yeah. they are wildly the same emotion in a lot of
0: ways well imagine a person you have no respect or interest in at all right you don't want to hear their fucking you opinions <laughs> yeah would you fight with that person no, no i a go see
1: your time hmm,
0: and i just walk away the like you literally of, are erased right now
1: it's the point of the movie and that's, yeah. like, what I love about the way it ends, too, is just the point of the movie altogether is what's worth fighting for? Like, is it worth – if this person is not worth your time and you decide to erase them and then in the middle of it, like, you, you're, you're helpless. And in the middle of it, you're like, how do I undo this not impulsive thing that I did but impulsive thing that I did? How do I prevent – how do I keep this one thing so that I can remember this person in the back of my head? Who, how do right. I keep this person with me even though I want them gone? Like it's, it's just it's such a fascinating and such a wonderful display of. And besides, like the filmmaking altogether, like the story itself is just so rich with this constant conversation you have with yourself and the other characters in the movie. Like I don't think, and by the end, and I, you know, I never know if that's like Charlie Kaufman is one of those writers who. I feel writes for himself only, and we just happen to get to like see it sometimes. And again, like you're right, this is probably the most accessible thing he's ever written. Um but like that's what it is is like we get to the end of this movie and we feel this we've felt this story like through our bones. And yeah. what we get to is like I don't think I'd wanna like I wouldn't wanna do that because that is how I know it's real. Right. That I think is the most that is the most endearing yeah. quality.
0: It it attacks the idea in the Pope Alexander quote
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, of the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, right? That seems to be saying on the surface that, you know, just take the bad stuff out and it's all fucking rainbows and
1: sunshine. Right. Which is bullshit. And Everybody what you realize
0: is it's just a fucking blank white, man. It's a matrix loading room and nothing's coming to load. Right? And no one wants to be there. The the scene when at the end they're in the mansion again and oh. you know, he's like, Just leave and it's he's I think what they yeah, he's like, This is it, right? And she goes, Well, at least come back and give me a proper goodbye and he's like, But I left and she's like, Well, do it again, do it better is devastating, fucking... right? Or when they're sitting on the stairs and she's like, this, uh, is this is it, Joel. It's gonna be over soon. What do we do?
1: Enjoy it. I fucking There's not a time from that moment on that I don't cry at the end of this movie. Like,
0: yeah. Well then he says, I wish I stayed. See, I'm going to, this is getting heavy too, but it's just hard, man. It's hard when you've done stuff and you feel these big sadnesses. Right. And there's a lot of shit that I know all of us probably feel like, man, if I could just cut that part out, the problem is, is the movie showing you right. Is that you're going to get stuff that you're going to really miss. And even this high tech world ending, you know, scientific weapon as done by little fucking puds. um, They can't erase her. They somewhere in him, his, his Clementine has evolved to tell him to meet me at Montauk. And her Joel did the same that the science can erase the memories, but there is a scar that she left deep in his soul. And I I just think that's fucking beautiful, man.
1: Yeah. It's um Oh man. This is just one of those scenes in a movie that always yeah. gets me. Like there's just nothing about Yeah. It's the it's the truest raw emotion of like what love is, which is this yeah. like it's this enduring thing and it just rocks me to my core, man. Like there's just nothing about this movie that I don't yeah. love and there's nothing about the way that this movie comes to an end. Particularly Mm -hmm. that scene, like you have to have your postscript because obviously you need your Montauk payoff. But like, it's just ethereal what happens in that moment. And I. uh... Yeah.
0: Well, the real ending to me was when she's doing her whole. Yeah. I mean, she's just doing her speech again. Right. Like I'm high maintenance. You know, she's doing her like character thing. And he just says, "Okay, man. And they just have a laugh. And I think that is the greatest thing that a lot of us have as a weapon, is that we're just able to keep getting hurt. Yeah, I think that that's— And you just hurt and hurt and hurt, but at the end, we still think that there's hope for a happier tomorrow. Even with someone, we hear on the tapes how much we hate this person, and we're smart enough to realize that's not always how it's going to be. And then, yeah, the three endings with, like, the white running in the snow over and over. I don't know. Is that some lingering brain damage? Whatever. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when he just laughs and says, okay, I'm like, that's when I check out of the movie. Because that's all it is. Like, no that's, matter who you love, that's you're what going love to hurt is. them or they're going to hurt you. And you it's just okay. got to say, okay, because it's the only way to get to the good stuff.
1: Yeah. It's, um... Mm. Yeah.
0: oh my I, god i mean but just like seriously like break you in half emotion wonderful visual style i was telling amy's like, i don't think i've seen anything like this since this came out jim carrey is like little him and the way you jump from scene to scene and the way it just effortlessly then, maintains a momentum and an emotional journey i mean this is really like one of the more stunning movies we've gotten to talk there's about. there's something
1: the that i haven't mentioned yet either and this is like um, John Bryan's score in this movie is oh god damn I, if you wanna uh, and this is I mean I I listen to this I still listen to this song repeatedly it's mm-hmm. um, if you go on Spotify or whatever you get your music from um, the song the track is from the soundtrack but it's called Phone Call and it's um, it's towards the beginning of the movie when she sticks her head out and says you know call me that would be nice the oh. track that starts playing is the most yeah. it's just Like, that that moment breaks me in half every time. Like, I'm already broken at that moment. Yeah.
0: Now, this is one of the things where I'm going to circle back to what I said, right? Where I thought that was a strange choice. When you realize retroactively that he runs home just giddy as fuck. Because you're always like, why does he run away, right? Something Mm -hmm. is off in their brains and they don't know it. But when he runs home giddy and he's like, looking at the phone, he decides to call right. It took me back to like middle school. I remember when three way calls first oh, yeah, started and we'd have my friend call all the girls and be like, Hey man, do you happen to have a crush on Griffey? Uniformly across the board the answer was no. He's like, Cool, cool, cool. And they didn't know I was on the other line, just like slowly lashing I was like that albino just flagellating fucking, yourself. Yeah, I'm the albino in uh Da Vinci code and the code was loud and clear. The code was cracked. No one was interested. But that's how we did in that giddy excitement of maybe. And when he calls her and she just goes, "What took you so long?" It's lovely, man. And knowing that that is what exists after you say okay, uh, just fucking phenomenal, man. I just, I, I think one of the hardest things to do in a movie is just actually move someone an inch, right? Yeah. We've all seen so many stories and so many romances and so much sci-fi. It's really fucking hard to scare audiences. It's really hard to make an audience laugh. It's really, really hard to make them cry and reach down deep in their soul, right? You can do it in a cheap, superficial way, right? We all see the popcorn movies. There's ways to do it, but to really... like, When's the last movie that made you like fucking laugh to where it hurt? Yeah. Something was so fucking true and honest that it just cracked you in half. And I just, I think that shit is so hard. And again, people are like, there's hundreds of movies that do that. Okay, well, there's a thousand new movies on Netflix every year. Right? Yeah. And when you see a piece of work like this that absolutely just reaches down into the darkest parts of you, and sometimes the best parts, I guess, and just is like, give me all of that, you're mine. Um, I think it's a true blessing, man. (laughs) It's
1: again, like, yeah there's a reason this movie endures and it's not be and look pedigree filmmaking technique, all that stuff aside. Like this is about this movie is about what a soul, when a soul sees another soul that it wants. It's just
0: every filmmaker wants to capture at least one moment of absolute unadulterated truth.
1: Every filmmaker wants to capture the, like every filmmaker aspires to capture the amount of truth in eternal sunshine of the spotless mind.
0: And oh, I think if you get one really true moment, if you in get an entire a career, that's great, man. Some people yeah. get none, and Michelle they still Ga- make. great Michelle movies.
1: Gondry getting this much truth is, yeah, it's rare. That's why this movie is wonderful.
0: Wonderful film. That's it for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless <laughs> Mind. The pot is loved and lost. It got oh, emotional. Man. So
1: many tears this month, oh. but it was a
0: lot more loved than lost. I think today so guys the pot is loved and lost month we are doing uh death becomes her yes and the fountain because we're just checking off alex's faves this month and then the fan vote is up so if you're on uh our patreon you can vote on discord uh gladiator (laughs) the notebook the descendants or pet cemetery which is just gonna win, but everyone's saying isn't love? I guess Alex doesn't love his kids the way I do. That's weird. I I don't know. I was just taking gripes left and
1: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. The month of Amour. I mean, I mean we you know, last year we also watched a movie where somebody loved a child in a weird way. That makes sense.
0: Okay, I'm not doing this as birth. Amor doesn't mean fucking P to P or P to V or P to M, do whatever. You take, do you take your heart sons out heart. for Valentine's Day? Do I open my heart to them? Nope, yes.
1: that's not what I asked.
0: Do I open our hearts and we connect? Nope. Not yes, not what I asked. Not what Would I asked. <laughs> not what I asked. Sometimes wrong's better, Alex. Sometimes wrong's better. That's all I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that is on the Discord. So guys, patreon.com slash pod. Get in on the votes. Get in on picking the movies you want. As little as a dollar a month will get you in the door to see uh, what we're working on. Subscribe to the YouTube, Film Alchemist. Uh, email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Leave us rating and reviews wherever you find the show, especially now Spotify, man. Hit us with those five stars, y'all. We're on all the socials, y'all. We're easy to get a hold of. Buckle up, guys. It's going to get heavy this month. Uh, especially... Shovel heavy. Just kidding. Enough of that. We'll get there. <laughs> when we get there. Uh, For the film Shovel alchemist, heavy. I'm Josh Griffey. <laughs> I'm Alex <Dandino. laughs> I didn't know if we'd get a moment of levity in today. It felt <laughs> great. <laughs>